Matthew chapter 1, uh, verses 18. We'll read 18 through 25. It'll be on the screen if you want to follow that way with me. It says this, The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that, and you know what came together means, okay, all right, sorry. So that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, okay, everybody say by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, of course he is, all right, uh, and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. Next slide. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Next slide. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her but did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Come on, isn't that good this morning? Hallelujah. This is such a beautiful story. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this word. We thank you, God, for this story, the birth of of your son, Jesus. And I pray today that We'd get more revelation, more wisdom, more insight today, and that we would come into more knowledge of you and your word today. So we thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you're taking notes this morning, if you'll throw it up there on the screen for me, the title of of this message is Jesus is Coming. All right, everybody say, Jesus is Coming. Jesus is Coming. Hallelujah. Jesus is Coming. Praise the Lord. Well, the past uh, two weeks, I believe, uh, we've been in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1 is where we were spending um, most of our time talking about um, Zechariah and Elizabeth and the birth of John, right? And uh, I told you that when we, when we started in Luke, that Luke is a very uh, detail-oriented writer, okay? He's, he's the one that's going to really spell it all out for you, hence why Luke chapter 1 is the biggest book in all of the New Testament, okay? It's got the most verses and all of that. Well, he's a doctor, right? <laughs> Dr. Luke. And so he's going to write it up and make sure it's, it's, it's all out there for everybody to understand. Well, for Matthew, he's not so much that way, all right? Matthew is, 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 like, is like me, all right? Just an average Joe, all right? Not, not trying to, you know, draw it all out too long, but just get out there what you need to get out, right? But Matthew's primary concern was where Jesus came from, okay? Hence why he spends the first 16, uh, 17 verses or whatever talking about where Jesus came from. Now, why is that important to Matthew? Why did Matthew write that? Why did he make that plain for everybody to read? Well, because it was important to the people of that day. 
It was important to, to God's people, the Jewish people. They were deeply concerned that the Messiah came from a specific bloodline. Okay? They were concerned about that. Why? Because of the prophecies and the words that were spoken all the many years before that he would come from a specific line, that he would have a specific bloodline. And so their concern was to make sure that if he's really the Messiah, he's got to come from this specific household, right? And, and so that was their concern. So therefore, it was Matthew's concern to make sure that he spelled it out clearly that this Savior, that this Messiah that is born came from this bloodline, from this genealogy, from this lineage. Amen? Um, and so, anyways... Um, when you look at the first 16 verses, you have all of these names. Uh, and again, names that you can't even really spell out or say or whatever because some of them are really hard. Um, but what I find interesting in, this, in those 16 verses, if you go back and look, and I, I'm not, you know, if you, you might fall asleep when you're reading the 16 verses. I don't know um, because it's a lot of names. But if you go back and look, it's not all men. It's not all men. There are specifically four women that are mentioned in all of those 16 verses, okay? Now, why, why is that important? Well, because each of those four women that are mentioned were about as messed up and came from the most messed up families that you can even think of. And it's, it's amazing to me that when Matthew writes this out, and that when we talk about the story of Jesus, Jesus didn't come from a perfect bloodline. They were concerned that he came from a specific bloodline, but he didn't come from a perfect bloodline. You would say, well, you know, Jesus is the perfect king, the perfect savior, the perfect one sent from God. Yes, he is. But there are four women that are mentioned in there. Tamar. Y'all know the story of Tamar. Okay. Rahab prostitute, all right, uh, Ruth, all right, Uriah, all right, you know, you look at, it says, well, actually, this is what's interesting, it says Uriah's wife, so it doesn't even mention it's Bathsheba, it just says Uriah's wife, her name's not even, I don't know what word you want to use, but good enough to even mention in this genealogy, so it just mentions it's Uriah's wife. That's pretty amazing to think about. So when you look at, when you look at the, the genealogy and the lineage of Jesus, okay, he comes from a messed up family. Now, so that should relieve a lot of you today. Wow. You know, if you knew my family, some of you would say. If you just knew my, you know, my grandpa's grandpa and my, you know, grandma's grandma's grandma, you know, you, you, it's crazy, you know. Everybody's got some messed up family members. Everybody has them, okay? And, and Jesus came from a line of some messed up people. So that should, you know, that should relieve you today that he didn't come from all of these perfect, holy people, that's not, that's not where Jesus came from. And so, you know, that, that kind of gives me a, a reason to kind of praise this morning that Jesus came from a jacked-up family, <laughs> okay? Like, he, he showed us, God, God demonstrated this in the way that you don't, nothing has to be lined up perfectly for you, okay? There are some messed-up people in the story, 
And just like you're a little bit messed up, guess what? So was Jesus' family. <laughs> so that should relieve you a little bit, okay? I mean, you know, uh, because he comes, from a, he comes from such a messed up family, um, that, that, really, that really helps us today. I mean, two prostitutes, you know? Two prostitutes, a whore, a Moabite adulterous woman, okay? I mean, come on. You know, you look at your past and you say, I don't know how, you know, look at my past and this and that about my past, my past, my past. Look at the past of Jesus' family, <laughs> okay? Come on, somebody. And so uh, Jesus, even though, even though he came from that lineage and that genealogy, guess what? Jesus was still coming. He was still on his way. Hallelujah. And so if Jesus is coming... It don't matter what your family has done or what your family did because when Jesus steps in, it breaks the curses. Hallelujah. It destroys anything that was, that was done, said, whatever before you entered into the earth. When Jesus shows up, it breaks all of it. Amen? Come on, somebody. And so this is what I want to declare over you and your household today, that your households are about to experience a supernatural shift. Your households are about to experience a supernatural shift. Everything before Jesus was messed up. But as soon as Jesus came, there was a shift that took place. Amen? And everything transformed and changed in the matter of one birth setting. Just one. And, and, and let me remind you, he wasn't born in perfect conditions either. He wasn't born in the most nice place, in the fanciest of place, in a nice birthing center, okay, with, with, with five nurses surrounding you and a doctor, okay? He wasn't born in those kind of conditions, all right? You got to remember, Mary was a teenager, which, which, was, which was normal back then, okay? So this is not, this is abnormal to us today, but very normal back then, all right? The scholars believe she was somewhere between 13 to 15 years old, all right? So she, she's, here she is, you know, trying to give birth to, to a baby, you know, at that age, no help, no support. All she's got is a, is a kind of, of a husband that's, you know, not even married to her yet. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know, like, what did you do, you know? And because it says that he was a righteous, he didn't do anything. He didn't know her intimately until after Jesus was born. So you can imagine all of these emotions, all of these things that are going on. Amen. And so, you know, you may think that your family is all messed up. You may think that you're messed up. Okay. Uh, and you may have given up uh, this year or in recent years, you may have given up on your sons and on your daughters. But I hear the Lord say this this morning. Jesus is coming. I hear the Lord saying that for your sons and your daughters, your prodigals. Maybe, maybe you don't have sons and daughters. Maybe it's nieces and nephews. Maybe it's, it's, it's other relatives. Maybe it's brothers and sisters or, or just close friends or whatever. I hear that so strong. And I really believe that for 2024, that, the, that, that this year will be the year where we will see a return of sons and daughters coming back home. I'm not coming, talking about coming back home physically into your household. I'm saying coming back home into the family of faith. Hallelujah. Amen. I really believe that so strong 
Because the birth of Jesus shows us that. It demonstrates that to us. Jesus is coming. And if you're the only one, listen to me, if you are the only one who has the faith to believe for that son or that cousin or whoever, if you're the only one, there is enough power contained within your faith to shift the family tree. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's enough power contained within you to not just shift the family tree, but to bring your family into a place of blessing and out of despair. Amen. Come on. We are we are going to see a shift as we go into this new year. There is no more despair. There is no more discouragement. There is no more struggles. There is no more this, no more that. Those days are over. Come on, say it with me. Those days are over. Say those days are behind me. Because see, when Jesus shows up, it changes everything. And so when we start 2024, we're going to start it by inviting Jesus first. I love the fact that that December 31st is on a Sunday this year. Because before we go to bed and go into that next new year, hallelujah, we're having church. Amen? And we're celebrating next Sunday going into the new year. But we're going to start it with Jesus. Because Jesus is interested in shifting some things. Amen? Otherwise, God would have never sent him into the earth. Am I right? He would have never done it. So, if you're taking notes this morning, <coughs> I know that there could be a million reasons, but I'm going to give you three today that are specific, excuse me, to this word today. But if you'll throw it on the screen there, three reasons Jesus came. Three reasons Jesus came. Number one is to favor you. To favor you. Jesus came to favor you. Jesus came to bring favor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are favorable. Come on, say, I am favorable. I don't know if that's a word, but I said it. Uh, I am favorable. Hallelujah. You know, the angel appears to Mary in Luke 1 and says this to her. Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Interesting. The very first words that she hears from the angel when she is getting told that she is going to give birth to the Savior of the world is you have found favor with God. Now, what the angel is really saying to Mary is you may be Mary, but with Christ you are favored. Why is that so important? Why is that so significant? Well, let me tell you. Because the word Mary is translated to bitter. Bitter. That's what the name Mary means, is bitter. And so when the angel shows up to Mary, says, you may have been Mary all your life, but now you're going to find favor. Changes everything for her. It changes and transforms her whole identity. In a matter of a second, her identity shifts and changes. Okay? Now, if you know anything about Mary, Mary came from nothing. And most scholars believe 
that she was from the poorest of the poor. So God shows up in the form of an angel to little old Mary, who doesn't have anything, doesn't have nothing to offer, doesn't have anything to give. And God shows up to her, the least likely, and we see that all throughout the word, the least likely to be picked. You know, he could have picked, he could have picked the, the high priest's daughter. You know, he could have picked somebody that, you know, was better well known. But he went into the roughest part of town and found one of the poorest girls in the region and said, you are the one that's going to give birth to the Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so when, he's, when the angel of the Lord appears and says, you have found favor, it completely changed her life. She didn't have to question what God was doing. She just knew, my life is about to get better. <laughs> right? I'm going from being bitter to being better. Hallelujah. And that's what happens to Mary. When the angel shows up, he tells Mary, I know what you've always been, but things are about to change. Why? Because you are favored. Tell your neighbor, I am highly favored of God. Hallelujah. Come on, look at somebody else across the room and tell them I am highly favored of God. <clears throat> listen, listen, I, I, am, I am not blessed and highly favored because of who I am, right? I'm blessed and highly favored because of who chose me. You're not blessed and highly favored because of who you are. Because in and of yourself, you're just like Mary. You don't got much to offer. Okay, but you are blessed and highly favored because of who chose you. Jesus, the Savior, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, reached into heaven and picked you out. Come on, somebody. He chose you. Hallelujah. So you may feel forgotten. You may be broke. You may feel tore up from the floor up. But when Jesus comes knocking on your door, your past doesn't exist anymore. When Jesus comes knocking on your door, your failure doesn't exist anymore. Hallelujah. Why? Because he has favored you. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. He has favored you. Amen. Now catch this. The very moment, the very moment, at the very second that, that the angel spoke the word to Mary, she conceived. It was immediate. She didn't go off and then time, time went by that she conceived. No, as soon as the word hit her, she conceived. That's how powerful the word of God is. And even out of a mouth of the angel, as soon as that word came out of the angel's mouth, boom, she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So anytime when you don't believe it can happen, God will do it anyways. Here's little old Mary, you know, thinking, probably thinking, whoa, what? You know, what's going to happen to me? And it was in that moment before she can even think that, that boom, she was already impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Woo! So when you think that God can't do it or he's not there yet or he's not going to show up, he says, I already did it by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I already met that need by the Holy Ghost before you even told me anything about it. 
Come on, somebody. Why? Because you're favored by God. Hallelujah. You see, sometimes God will speak a word into your life and you won't understand it. But you just got to receive it by faith. Because if he said it, his word never returns void. Amen? Listen, if you just trust him with the outcome, the results will always be in your favor. I'm going to say it again. If you trust him with the outcome, the results will always be in your favor. They'll always be in your favor. Why? Because God favors you. He favors you. And he sent Jesus into this earth to demonstrate that for you. You are favored by God. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say amen. So we're talking about three reasons why Jesus came. First one, to favor you. The second one is this, to put the word in you. To put the word in you. Jesus came so that you can get the word inside of you. Now, how is that, how is that true? Because the Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the word. Jesus is the word. And so when we say, Jesus, come into my life, we aren't just inviting a Savior. We're inviting the very words, life, and breath of God into our existence, into our being. Amen? And so when Jesus came, he also offered the word of God to us. Now watch what happens in Matthew chapter 1. The angel appears to Mary. Mary tells Joseph. Joseph is so confused and knows that if she's pregnant, the baby isn't his. I mean, this is about to turn into a whole Jerry Springer. I mean, really. It, it, this is a great episode. This would be a wonderful episode. Can you imagine this being on television? Like, you know, they're standing there, and you got Mary on one side and Joseph on the other, and, and the host is saying, okay, now you said what? The Holy Spirit impregnated, and then you said, what? He, Joseph, you, what? Right? And then Joseph says, you know, she has been away from me for the last three months. Because that's true. That's in the Word of God. When she received the Word, she was, she was hidden for three months before she even told Joseph. So she comes back to Joseph, tells Joseph, I mean, Joseph's like, what have you been doing for three months? I thought we're supposed to get married. Right? And she says, no, it's by the Holy Spirit, I promise. Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. Holy, Holy Spirit can't do that, right? And then it takes all of that, and, and an angel has to appear to Joseph, too, to tell him. For Joseph to finally believe. Why? Because there's so much confusion. There's so much chaos. Mary's, Mary's got it. When she got the word, that was it for her. She believed it. She received it. She hid away. She held on to that for three months while the Lord did a work in her. Hallelujah. But Joseph had a hard time. Joseph had a real hard time. And so an angel had to come again. God had to send an angel again just to get Joseph on the same page. <laughs> okay? So Joseph's plan, because he didn't understand all of this at first, was just to secretly divorce her so that he wouldn't embarrass her. He didn't want to publicly do anything, the Bible says. So he was going to go in secret and just divorce her and, and, just, and just step away from that relationship so that it wouldn't embarrass her. Okay, But then the angel shows up to him 
and why another angel appearance? Because listen, heaven could not afford for earth to mess this thing up. The angel had to appear to Joseph because heaven could not afford for a man upon earth to mess this whole thing up. Because had the angel appeared to Joseph, the story probably would have been completely different. Joseph would have divorced her. They would have been separated. People wouldn't have believed nobody or nothing. And it would have turned into a whole nother thing. We wouldn't have the story that we have today. And so an angel had to come. Heaven had to come to earth to show earth that heaven meant business. That's how powerful this was. And so the angel comes to Joseph. So the angel makes it clear that to, to Joseph that this is not Mary's baby. It's Yahweh's son. That's what the angel makes clear to Joseph. It's not about, oh, it's your baby or her baby or whatever. No, no, this is, this is the son of God. She is going to give birth to the Son of God. Can you imagine being in Joseph's shoes? Can you imagine? Now having to go out in public, go to the local market, and, and she's got a bump, and people are looking, like, they ain't married yet. And it's that whole kind of thing. And, and she's, she's showing, and it's very clear. Can you imagine being in Joseph's shoes? The amount of people that would look at him with shame and distaste and all that kind of stuff. And, and he's just kind of like, oh, man, God, why would you choose us? <laughs> right? You see, church, you got to stay focused on what you're giving birth to and not focus on the people who will ask questions. you got to stay focused on what you're giving birth to and not stay focused on people who have an opinion. Woo! Come on now. Because everywhere Joseph and Mary went, I guarantee you, people were having some questions. I guarantee you, people had an opinion. Just the look on some people's faces when they saw Mary at full term walking around and knew that Joseph... Come on. You can only imagine what was going through their minds. You can only imagine what was taking place in the hearts of people. But when, when God gives you a promise, come on somebody, when God speaks something to you, you got to focus on what you're about to give birth to. It doesn't matter who asks questions. It doesn't matter who has an opinion. It doesn't matter who looks at you in some kind of way. Because when God puts something in you by the Holy Ghost, nothing can change it. So let the people talk. Let the people have an opinion, but you cannot focus on that. you got to focus on what you're about to give birth to. Hallelujah. You may not know my story, but I'm about to give birth to something that's going to change your story. Can you imagine Mary walking around? Yeah, look at me that way. You have no idea what's about to come out of me. Literally. Have your opinion about me. Think what you want about me. Ask your questions. Raise your eyebrows. Flare your nose about me. But what's coming out of me is about to change your life. 
Hallelujah. And I want to declare that over you today. Let the people talk about you. Let them ask questions. Let them have an opinion. But what's about to come out of you is going to change some people. It's going to change your family. It's going to change your job situation. Come on, somebody. I declare that over you today. As you go into 2024, you're going to give birth to something that's going to shift atmospheres. That's going to shift dimensions. That's going to change people's hearts about you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's happening. It's happening. So when you receive the criticism, just go with it. Okay, praise God. You said, what about me? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Well, oh, your opinion? Oh, okay. Hallelujah. And that's the way you've got to handle it. That's the way you've got to handle it. Because you have got to stay focused on what you're giving birth to. Hallelujah. You've got to stay focused on that. Why? Because it's the word. It's the word. Jesus came to get the word inside of you. He didn't come to just favor you, but he came to give you that word. And that word, no man can change, let me tell you. Nothing can shift it, nothing can change it, but by the power of God. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. So number one, reason Jesus comes is to favor you. He also comes, number two, to put the word in you. But number three is this, so that you would never be alone. That you would never be alone. Now, I know he came to save you. I know he came to redeem you. I know he came to forgive you. All of those things. And those are wonderful. And we know that. Those are all powerful elements of what Jesus provided and what he came. He came to bring us our salvation and all of that. We know all those things. But today, I want to focus on these three things because this is, these are really three things that we see kind of as a theme in, in Matthew chapter 1. He looks at Mary and, and he favors Mary, right? He puts the word inside of them, of both of them, Mary and Joseph. But then... I firmly believe that Jesus came so that we would never have to be alone. We would never have to be alone. Now, how do we know that? How do we get that out of the story? It's because when, he, when the angel of the Lord appeared, he says, you're going to give birth to a son, and you're going to name him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. You're not going to just give birth to a Savior, Mary, but you're going to give birth to a Savior who is with you always. Mary, from this day forward, you will never be by yourself ever again. Joseph, from this day forward, you will never have another day alone. Hallelujah. Emmanuel, God is with us. So Jesus was sent to be with us. Hallelujah. Not to just give us our salvation, but he was sent to be with us. So Jesus came so that you would never have to be by yourself. He came that you would never have to be by yourself. You may live by yourself, but you're not by yourself. Come on, somebody. And, and see, at this, especially at this time of the year, but in general, too many people feel alone. Too many people feel alone. Feel like they made bad decisions. Feel like they, they did some things recently or in the past that, that just set them up for something. Feel like there's not much hope. But hear me. Emmanuel, 
is the revelation that you don't have to be alone. Emmanuel is the revelation that you can mess up, but he'll still be there with you the next day. Woo! Come on, somebody. Emmanuel is the revelation that, yes, you may sin, because all may sin and fall short. You may sin today, but guess what? When you wake up in the morning, he is still with you. That's the revelation that Emmanuel brings. Jesus came from heaven to earth to show you that you don't have to be alone, but that there is someone who would always be with you. And listen, this is why one of the chief tactics of the enemy is to isolate you. The enemy wants to get you isolated. The enemy wants to get you alone so that you can start believing that you're by yourself, that you don't have support, that you're all alone in this, that you're, you're by yourself to fight your own battles, all of those kind of things, all of those things that the enemy will throw and put into your mind. Why does he do that? Because he knows it's the complete opposite of the truth. Emmanuel was sent to be with you always. So what does he try to do? He tries to put words of deceit and discouragement in you to make you believe that you're alone and to get you into that kind of thought pattern and that kind of position and believe that you are isolated from everybody, everybody, and in, in, in anything. That's what the enemy loves to do. But the enemy is foolish. Come on, say he's foolish. The enemy is foolish because while he may lie to you to make you believe you're alone, what he says is the opposite of what the word says. His word cannot stand up against the word of God. So let him say what he wants, but it can never contradict what the word of God says about you. Amen? Hallelujah. So, you know, what does the word of God say? Well, every single hair on your head is known by God. Let me remind you. Every single hair on your head is known by God. And it's not just known, he numbered them. <laughs> he takes the time to number the amount of hairs on your head. That's how much he is with you. That's how much he is with you. Well, I, don't, I feel alone sometimes. I feel like he's not there. He knows the exact number of hairs on your head right now, this very second. And he don't miss a beat. He don't miss one beat. <coughs> Excuse me. So... He isn't far and removed. He's right there with you. You can go ahead and put on something. So if you've been feeling alone, if you've been feeling forgotten, I want to tell you today that Emmanuel says you are not alone. Emmanuel says to you today, you are not forgotten. Emmanuel says to you today that you are not hopeless because there is a power in knowing that he is with you. There is a power in knowing that he is with you. He is with you, and the Bible says he will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? Come on, somebody say amen. So, just a real quick recap. Three reasons Jesus came. Number one, to favor you. Number two, to put the word in you. And number three, that you would never be alone. I want to tell you, 
this Christmas season. You know, things may look different for you this year. Maybe you, you know, it's one year ago today, actually, that I lost my, my grandfather, remember? Well, you know, I could, uh, I could be at home right now and pouting and saying, I'm not going to have church and I'm just going to, you know, no. I have a reason to celebrate. This is the birth of our Savior. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean I'm just going to, like, you know, forget about it. No, I'm not going to do that. But I, why would I be all down and out? I know things are different for maybe us, maybe you, maybe a lot of people this year. Families are growing. You can't get together like you used to anymore. Right, Mimo? I mean, you know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you know, and, and you lose loved ones over the last year, you know. I mean, things happen. Things change. So you may go into this Christmas weekend and you're like, man, this is not the, not the greatest this year. But I want to remind you today, you're favored. The word is in you. And you are not alone. Those three things right there should definitely give you enough joy and encouragement that you need. You know, it's all I know, you know, people make it all about the presence and this and that. And all that stuff is great. I'm not against it. I love it. I think it's wonderful. But at the end of the day, when all of that is said and done, and you're laying your head on your bed Christmas night, and it's all done and over with, and you've been to all the houses, and you've done all of the things, you still got to know when you lay your head down that you are favored by God. That he came and he put the word inside of you. And that you are not alone. Say, well, I don't have nowhere to go tomorrow. I got no family to be with. You know, whatever. Okay. Even that, you're still favored. You still got the word. And you're not alone.